The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Around the Circle. That's the trouble around here. Talk, talk, talk. Happy Wednesday. It's another crossover podcast. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. Football's getting closer. Recruiting's heating up some more. Hey, buddy. Yeah, football's here, Ben. It is here. I mean, uh, you know, why wait? I mean, do, do you have to wait for the, uh, for, for the first whistle to blow? We're two weeks away. I talked to some of the players yesterday, man. They're, they're anticipating. They're excited. Uh, you know, in, in that player way, I mean, nobody's very happy about getting worked to death every single day of the week, but you know, it's fall camp. You got to go through fall camp to get to the fall season. And, uh, man, it's here. Preseason award lists are coming out. All American teams. Uh, Lane's on the Bobby Dodd, uh, preseason coaches watch list. Or whatever that's worth. Um, yeah, it's here, Ben. It, it is. I mean, I have to pinch myself sometimes to tell you it's here, particularly when we have basketball press conferences on a Tuesday in July. That was probably the most bizarre timing of a basketball presser in a while. Come on, man. I Got mean, nothing but I, love for those guys over there, but like, I didn't know what we were doing. Absolutely. I mean, you know. Okay, okay. So we're talking about basketball two weeks before fall camp opens. But um, nevertheless, anyway. Well, Ole Miss goes to media days next week on Monday. We'll share their Monday uh, press conference day in Atlanta with LSU in Missouri. And Ole Miss announced completely predictably the three-player representatives that will go for Ole Miss. And before they even announced it, I nailed two of them. I said, well, Cedric Johnson is going to be one. Because I remember when he got here as a freshman, one of the things that one of the communications uh, people over there at Ole Miss Media Relations said was, oh, this is the guy we're going to take to media days. We're going to send out whenever we need somebody to talk about some difficult stuff. So it's only natural. This is the next step in the progression for Cedric Johnson. is like the face of Ole Miss defensively. 
And then Nick Broker makes a lot of sense. Jonathan Mingo, an interesting addition to this. But when you start looking around at offensive players, and while we've been talking all about Jackson Dart and Zach Evans and Michael Trigg, these are all first-year players at Ole Miss. So it makes sense to send Jonathan Mingo, I would assume. Yeah, you knew there wasn't going to be either one of the quarterbacks, and there weren't going to be any of the transfer guys. That's just kind of, you know, how it is. Although, you know, you say that's how it is. I mean, I think Matt Corral went as a redshirt freshman. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If it was I mean, really it about was the most interesting storylines, you'd send Jackson Dart and or Michael Trigg, uh, Zach Evans. Yeah. Hold on, Zach yeah. Evans, and then pick your defensive transfer that you can think or that you think could be the most impactful. That would be yeah. the direction. But at, at media days. The goal has changed, and we've talked about this before, too. At SEC Media Days, it used to be that's where you went to get some of the biggest stories. It was the unofficial kickoff of the season, and everybody in one place. You could talk to people off the record. It was a whole different thing. Now it's a TV production, and you just want to get out of it unscathed. Oh, yeah. It, it is a – and for those of you fans who have never been, and if you've been as a fan, you just went to stand in the lobby and watch your head coach kind of just blow by and go upstairs. Um it is a circus, an absolute circus that is, uh, I think, now done more for the benefit of ESPN and the SEC Network than anybody else. Um, I mean, you know, there's a 100-yard hallway with nothing but radio station guys on both sides lining it up, getting their chance to talk to Wayne Kiffin or name, name your name, and they credential everybody, everybody in the Confederacy with any sort of inkling of credentials. It doesn't uh, take much to get credentialed. Uh, It's a madhouse. To which I'm like, it's okay then. It can be that event and whatever, but I think media has changed to the point where we've been kicking off the season now. Ever since the national championship in baseball happened, we've already been in that mode. Now, we took it a couple days, like everybody else did, to kind of – recharge the batteries, reset, but really it's been, okay, well, baseball is over, ride that wave as long as we can, but football's here. We're just not used to talking about football as early as, or as late as we have been because baseball's typically over. This is the first time baseball has done what everybody wanted them to do, and that's make the run to Omaha, and then not only did they do that, they won a national championship. So suddenly, I, I now feel like how Alabama people feel. And I know it's not the same with baseball, but you get what I'm saying? They just – they go all the way to the end in pretty much everything, not basketball. But you get what I'm saying. Auburn's a good example of that more recently, I guess. There are certain schools that are used to going to the end of the calendar with each one of their sports. It's kind of new territory for us. And when I look at media days, I can't decide if I'm going to go because I don't think those that's where the stories are. If you're an Ole Miss fan listening to this podcast, you've been paying attention to us every single day, you've been listening for a while – I just don't know if that's where the story for this particular team and what will directly impact true winning and losing for them, where you're going to really learn much. Ole Miss opened up yesterday as a 23-and-a-half-point favorite over Troy in the season opener. It sounds about you right. You buying that? You selling that? You think it's about right? That's about right. It's about, well, here's the thing, though. I don't know what Troy is. The only thing that gives me some apprehension – from the Ole Miss side of things is, of course, the quarterback battle. But I still feel like whoever's the starter, they're both going to play in that game, I feel. 
whoever's the starter, offensively they're going to score points. This is not the Troy team from the early aughts or the late 1990s that was a spoiler for national contenders or fringe national contenders that you schedule Troy because, yeah, you're going to beat Troy, but they're going to give you a scare. It's, it's going to be a game that people will show up to. Not anymore. Troy's kind of down. It's, it, and John Sumrall, well, you and I both think very highly of him, the former Ole Miss offensive, or defensive assistant, um, went to Kentucky back to his alma mater. Now he's the head coach of Troy. We think a lot of him. But still, in this game, regardless of Ole Miss's, uh, Ole Miss's question marks, specifically at the quarterback position, they're going to beat, beat the crap out of Troy. If they don't, yeah. well, that's an early, that's like an early, early alarm bell. Oh, yeah, that's the Jacksonville State loss all over again if that happens. But, you know, that look, we're not saying that's going to happen. That's not going to happen, okay? But, you know, John Sumrall, first year, he's going to have his guy supercharged because John is a supercharged individual. He lives life supercharged. So he's going to have a team. They're going to roll, roll out onto that field very high. Um, but – in all honesty, Lane and them could line up in an eye formation and just march up and down the field on Troy all day long when you're just looking at personnel. Um, so, you know, I don't care if a quarterback throws three interceptions in that game. It's not really going to make a difference. I like the line. I, I kind of see a 45-22, 45-21 type game there. I could see that happening. Um and, and, and everybody's going to leave there going, okay, they did what they were supposed to do. Now we got to play Central Arkansas the next week. That's not going to tell you anything. And then everybody's going to going to kind of kind of start getting scared of the trip to Atlanta with Georgia Tech for no reason whatsoever. I'm going to tell you the game in those first four that bugs me more than any is the Tulsa game. Tulsa is that Troy team. From what you were saying, late 90s, early 2000s, that could give you a scare. Um, not that it should be any kind of big scare. Like I've already said, I think Ole Miss is going to start the year 8-0. They're certainly not going to lose to any of these first four. But uh, but if I had to pick one out of the first four that kind of freaks me out a little bit, it's not the trip to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech. It's the Tulsa Golden Hurricane in Oxford. But my point being is that Tulsa team, they're capable of rising up and giving an SEC opponent a ball game. Yeah, and isn't Georgia um, Tech terrible? Georgia Tech's pretty darn bad, yes. Yeah. Okay, so what are we even talking about here? It's Tulsa. Well, I mean, what those guys have over there is they've inherited a triple option offense, and they're in the process of trying to go from triple option to wide open. Yeah, good luck with that. That is a five-year process as far as personnel overturning. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Ask uh, ask guys who have coached at Arkansas. Um, it, it definitely is. But, uh, yeah, the Tulsa game is the one that uh, sticks out to me as the one that, um, you know, you might not want to be completely uh, brave about. What's settled then? If you're not going to learn anything as the common old Miss fan that's listening to this podcast today, what do you? You're not gonna learn anything at CMD. What are the settled stories for Ole Miss offensively, defensively for, that you're not worried about? Well, I'll tell you this: we're gonna know the most about this team on the first Saturday of October when uh, they they play Kentucky and Oxford. We all know Kentucky's a pretty good football team, and it's still 
feels funny saying that, but but they are. They go to bowl games every year. They win seven, eight, nine games a year. Um, killing it in the NIL space. Yeah, they are. They're killing it. They are. Um, they've got a great quarterback this year that a lot of people think will be a first-round draft pick. I don't see that, Levis. but, yeah, Will Levis well, I, just I, I, I didn't say I agreed with it. I don't agree with a lot of these mock drafts people are throwing out now. I mean, good God, you know, how many mock drafts did we see when Matt Corral was going in the first ten picks of the draft? He goes in the third round. Or oh, Here's you know, one for you. I saw it, I think it was CBS. Um, Kari Coleman. Now, he's a huge ad for Ole Miss. But last was year, yeah, last year was a down year. In the spring, he adjusted. I mean, that's making a, a heck of a leap to assume he's going to be the 23rd overall pick next year's draft yeah, this early. I, I'm pretty sure that was Fox that put that out. There you go. But, um, yeah, and, and I mean, I'm looking at um, USA Today does a first two-round mock draft earlier this um, this week. And they've got Nick Broker going, I think, around the 53rd pick. And you know me, and I've said this all along. Look, I, I, I can tell you I think Nick Broker, I think Jeremy James, I think Mason Brooks, all three of those guys get drafted next spring. Uh, but you know who I'm the highest on. I'm the highest on Jeremy James. And I will stick to my guns that while nobody sitting around doing these mock drafts right now uh, are, are are including Jeremy James as a top pick. Jeremy James, in my opinion, is going to push the bubble of being a first-round pick just because he's got everything you could possibly want if you're an NFL club looking for an offensive lineman. He can play either tackle position. He can play either guard position. He's very smart. He could certainly play the center position as well, and he's athletic enough, and he gets it all done. Um, you know, and, and, and he's got all the qualities. Whereas with Nick, you know, Nick is shifting down the guard this year in college because that's the feedback he's getting from the NFL scouts is that he's going to be a guard at this level, guard or center at the next level. So, you know, I, I just think Jeremy James ultimately, and a lot can happen between now and then, but I think ultimately is probably going to have the biggest value and it's going to he's going to have a year a lot like Royce Newman where he's going to dominate people yeah but Royce was a fourth rounder he he was he was but listen and then all of a sudden when Royce is starting to be talked about by NFL clubs people finally open their eyes and go oh man he was great he was great while he was at Ole Miss Jeremy's going to be in for the same stuff where He's going to quietly push people around all year, have an incredible year, blow the scouts' minds away. And then January, February, you're going to start hearing Jeremy James' name surface amongst these NFL clubs, and people are going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that kid was great while he was here. So he's not going to get a lot of the accolades because people don't watch the offensive line play. They follow the football. Um, But Jeremy James is still my guy. Well, let's say the offensive line is settled, even though Mason Brooks is now the starter at right tackle, and Jeremy James is the starter at left tackle. We would open from right tackle. Caleb Warren moved from guard to center full-time, Nick Broker guard. That's some change, but that's settled. We know who the guys are. I'm going to go position by position. And basically it's like this. Since you're not going to learn anything at SEC Media Day's Ole Miss fan because it's just a TV production. That's all it's there for. We're going to tell you 
the stories that really matter for Ole Miss football heading into fall camp. So you can just skip SEC media days. You can go to the pool. You can go to work. Do whatever you got to do. Just go about your day. You don't have to stop time anymore. Stop life because SEC media days is critical. It's not critical anymore. So settled is the offensive line. Let's go to tight end. We know it's Michael Trigg leading the way, but are there guys like Casey Kelly or whoever that can carve out a role or at least push Michael Trigg and camp? No, but no, you get what I'm saying. No, but – but Casey Kelly is a tremendous compliment to Michael Trigg. And you can even see some red zone situations, short yardage situations, where you have both of them on the field at the same time. I think I think having both of them out there is a nightmare matchup for opposing defenses. Uh, certainly expands your options in the red zone. Casey Kelly is a very nice compliment to Michael Trigg's ability. Here's my question about Trigg that we haven't really talked about enough and we didn't pay enough, enough attention to, I think, in the spring. And I'm definitely going to look at it in fall camp. How is he as a blocker? Does it matter anymore at that position without Lane giving you him? Not really because and, – and, look, I think he's adequate. But when Michael Trigg's on the field, I think rarely are you going to see him in the lineup asked to block a defensive end or take out a linebacker. Um He's just got too much athletic ability for, for 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 that to be his primary focus. I think most of the time you're going to see Trigg spread out. I think he's going to be out wide. He's going to be a big yeah. wide receiver like Kyle Pitts. Yeah, correct. Kind of like the way the Rebels played Evan Ingram so many years ago. He can stretch a field. He, he can he can find the crease in the routes. I mean, you know, he's going to be a primary weapon. There is no way he's not going to be. I don't care who emerges in the receiver court, whether it be Jonathan Mingo, Jordan Watkins, Jalen Robinson, name names. I don't care. Michael Trigg is going to be a dominant weapon for whoever's playing quarterback for Ole Miss. All right, offensive line is settled. Tight end is, for all intents and purposes, settled. We know the quarterback battle isn't settled. We've been talking about that ad nauseum. It's going to be Jackson Dart and Luke Altmaier for weeks, even bleeding into the season potentially, competing to be that guy. We know running back is led by Zach Evans. Ulysses Bentley's behind him, competing with Kentrell Bullock, who really came on in the spring. Quinshawn Judkins was really good, too. Running back is settled. But we know that wide receiver isn't settled. It's crazy to think that running back is settled, by the way, with Jerrion and Snoop and Henry Pierce, the three guys in that backfield, and Matt Corral, who was like the second or third leading rusher for Ole Miss, no longer part of it. But that's the transfer portal. Now yeah. you don't have to wait on, on guys uh-huh. to come on. Kendrell Bullock getting being asked to step up. You just went and got the starting running back at TCU. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner, too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you.
Yeah, and I want to press the pause button there for just a second because one of the kids I spent a good bit of time with yesterday was Ulysses Bentley. And, um, you know, we talked about the dynamic in that running back room about, look, you know there's an element of competition in there, okay? Everybody wants to be the guy. But with this running back room, and this is Ulysses telling me, this isn't me telling you or coaches telling us, it really is a, okay, you do this so and I do this, and we're going to complement, you know, our, our abilities off of that. Look, we, we know Zach Evans is a big, strong, powerful runner, okay? Ulysses Bentley can catch the edge in a hiccup. I mean, the guy is fast. He spent time, by the way, at a 4.38 and a 40-yard dash. And that's I mean, like that's the perfect Lane Kiffin running back for this offense. Oh, you better believe it. And he's 5'10", 195 pounds. I mean, but the, but but my bottom line is they really are pulling for one another. They really are. And a lot of people don't realize Ulysses Bentley and Zach Evans, their 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 relationship extends way beyond football. Not because one went to TCU and one went to SMU and – they both came to Ole Miss same time as transfers. They have been playing ball together since kindergarten, Ben. They've been riding bikes together since kindergarten. Can you believe that? I mean, that's how tight they are. I mean, they are literally like brothers. So, you know, Zach breaks off an 80-yard run. Ulysses breaks off an 80-yard run. It's it, See, either one of them is interchangeable. They're both extremely happy about it. Uh, yeah, these are guys who, growing up in Houston, Texas, man, they were they were tight when they were six years old. And isn't that an amazing story that they end up in the same backfield at Ole Miss? You know, both are going to end up in the NFL barring injury. I didn't know that. I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know it either. Until until Ulysses and I sat down yesterday and and started talking and he's like, yeah man we we grew up together, we used to ride bikes, man we played basketball baseball, everything together played football against each other they never were on the same teams but um, but yeah they're they're extremely tight how about that? Pull down the whistle, let it sound here's the hot take express coming in, Ole Miss improved. Or upgraded at running back, crazy as that might sound to some. Across the board, one of the biggest storylines of the whole offseason and the transfer portal. How do you lose everybody? How do you lose Snoop Connor? How do you lose Henry Paris Jr. And and you look at your backfield, you know, seven months later, and you go, "Hey, we're better now than we were." In the Sugar Bowl, absolutely stunned at the yeah. job they did. So that's settled. Wide receivers aren't settled, but do you feel better about it now that you look at the roster? Malik Heath is on campus. Deion Smith, we all know what happened there. He was coming, and then the academic stuff, and now he's at JUCO and going to join Ole Miss, I guess, next year. Um, I guess if everything plays out perfectly. Hanging out with Buddy, Buddy Stevens down there. I hear they're real close now. Jalen Robinson, Malik Keith, Jordan Watkins, Jonathan Mingo, uh, Danish Jackson. You, you can pull all the wide receiver candidates in place, but who is the one? Because Mingo's not even a sure thing because of the injury history. 
So yeah. wide receiver is that one of those stories that, yeah, they're going to be asked about it as Jonathan Mingo and the other guys about the wide receivers at SEC Media Days. But the true story here is not, oh, can somebody step up and be the go-to guy? It's going to be a by-committee approach. So do you feel better about it today now that the work has been put in in the portal than you did initially when they were just searching and searching in December and January to find some guys? Now, you know you know when I started feeling good about it? When, 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 when the stud, Jalen Robinson, committed to Ole Miss. Because I'm going to tell you something. He's not the biggest, most overpowering receiver. But then you don't have to be. The dude can fly. The dude's got feather soft hands. And, and I'm going to tell you something. He is my guy that I think is going to emerge out there, Ben. I think, I think by week three, there's going to be a dominant wide receiver on the Ole Miss football team. And I think his last name is going to be Robinson. He reminds me of Jalen Rager. And I know Jalen Rager has not been great with the Eagles and the pros, but he's a first rounder out of TCU. Same kind of body build. Mm-hmm. A little undersized, and the way you utilize him in this spread, spread open, wide open, I should say, wide open offensive lane, Kiffin, he's the ideal guy for that. Just like Ulysses, Ulysses Bentley is the ideal guy at running back, even though Zach Evans is kind of the perfect combination of everything. And he's, in my opinion, going to be the most impactful of the offensive transfers to start. I think they'll lean on him so heavily, him and Bentley. But you look at Jalen Robinson and how he fits into this offense – with the way, his size and being a little undersized, or whatever, it's perfect for what Lane does. Because you look at he's not going to be a, he's not going to be, um, you know, Elijah Moore, but he can be a variation of that. It's not like you have to be a generational talent like Elijah Moore and put up those ridiculous video game numbers to have this offense almost almost his offense under Lane Kiffin operate in an efficient manner. You just need him to do enough of those things with the added talent around him. Because at that time, Elijah Moore, he was the only game in town. It's not like he had beside him um, what is now, I think, a better complement of weapons offensively like Robinson does. So he doesn't have to carry more of the load than is necessary. So I think he could really, I mean, hit the ground running come August. Once fall camp opens, I I don't think it will be much of a transition. I'm sorry. I I think Jalen Robinson – is the one transfer portal guy that we're not talking about enough, that enough has not been said about what he brings to this team. Mm-hmm. Per, just a prediction, but that's not No, I, I could about. buy that. I could buy that because Zach, Zach Evans was such a high-profile ad, Jackson Dart, Michael Trigg, and he was so late. And of all those guys, he has just as much, if not the best argument, to being the most impactful as far as what they're going to be asking him to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to that. We, he needs to be talking about it the most. All right, so wide receivers, Jalen Robinson, if he's settled, is there anybody else that you feel good about if you had to put some money on that player, Jonathan Mingo, whoever, of replacing Braylon Sanders and Ontario Drummond, just a wide receiver core that was really productive, but – there were some areas in which you could have seen that group improve. Could this team, could this group improve on last year's group? I guess is the question. Yeah, we all know Jonathan Mingo has the talent. Um, you know, he just needs a little run of good luck. He needs to stay healthy. And um, you know, so I don't want to cap off what what I think Jonathan Mingo can do. Um, I, I personally think, and Braylon Sanders and Ontario Drummond were great receivers, but they were playing with an even greater quarterback. I, I really think the Ole Miss wide receivers right now 
are are going to be as good, if not better, than what last year's group was. Then they're good. Then it's gold. They're fine. Yeah, I think they're going to be good. All right. Defensively, cornerback is pretty much settled as far as starters. We think it's going to be DeAndre Prince and Miles Battle. Uh, Markevious Brown, Davison Igbenos, and the true freshman dynamic player. I think he's going to be an absolute monster. I think he's Jair Alexander as a freshman in college. I, I think Davison Igbenos is going to be a first-round draft pick before he leaves. I think he's that good. No, I, I, could, I could buy that. I can totally buy that. I mean, man, he, he hit the uh... – he had the practice field and looked like a vet in the spring. He looked, he had that look, yeah. You remember when uh, Laramie, of course you do, but when Laramie and Laquan and Rob and Tony Connor, they all arrived. Oh, and yeah. Their yeah. very first practice, you watched them. We all watched them and went, oh, yeah, okay, I, I see it. I get it. You just get, uh-huh. There's certain players you just get it when they get out there. And when that kid got out there, immediately went, oh, oh yeah, he's one of those dudes. Yeah, an extremely nice, nice kid too. Great young man. Can't wish him anything but the best. And uh, you know, but yeah, I think I think that's your corner rotation. I I, I believe it. All right, if you that's know, settled, stay healthy, is it really about linebacker then? Because defensively, we can go through the defensive line. Even with the loss of Sam Williams, they got candidates. They got players they had in the portal. Um, no, no, safe, so look, it's linebackers. I, look, the defensive line. I, I'm going to say I, I think it's going to be amongst the best in the SEC this year. They're deeper. Then they're that deeper means they're among the best in the country. I, I, yeah, absolutely it does, 100%. I mean, all the talent is there. you got an old steady hand. You know, guy's never going to be all conference, not going to be, not going to be flashy. But, but Mr. Knee Injury himself, K.D. Hill, uh, I mean, you, you, you start with an old vet presence like that. You're throwing in J.J. Piggies. Who is a, a space eater up the gut that, that is also a pass rusher that, that's got superstar written all over it. We know what Cedric Johnson can do. Okay. Because he did it six and a half times last year. It's just Sam did it twice as much as, as Sam did. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think they're going to lose much off the defensive front and they're deeper this year. We get to see Jared Ivey play. We get to see Kari Coleman play. Um, those guys were, were not in Oxford last year. So at the end of the day, when an Ole Miss fan is trying to figure out, all right, I hadn't been paying attention. Ole Miss just won a baseball national championship. It's football time. All media days is on. You don't have to cut on media days because we're basically telling you all that stuff is fluff. For this team to be successful, there's two areas where you got to keep your eyes locked for fall camp, quarterback and linebacker. Yeah, and, and and look, I know they wanted. <clears throat> excuse me, I know they wanted another linebacker. They would have probably taken two if they were available. Those guys weren't out there. <clears throat> but but I'm not totally convinced that a guy like Ashanti Sistron is not going to step in and and kind of kind of fill the void of a Chance Campbell. I'm not saying he's going to be Chance Campbell. But he's certainly going to help. Uh, Troy Brown, wherever they stick him back there, I, I, look, well, like you said the other day, you're not the Mac Defensive Player of the Year for nothing. He, he's he's going to bring some teeth to that defense. Um, so I'm Is not he really closer sure. as a transfer impact linebacker to Rory Johnson or Romel Maggio? Oh, God. Well, let's hope not Maggio. <laughs> Uh, no disrespect to that guy, but come on. He had the same kind of accolades, though, you know? Where did that name come from? Well, because he had the same kind of accolades. You look at when they got that Maggio kid, 
The numbers he put up were insane. Yeah, nobody just nobody timed his forty before he got here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of one of those deals. I know. So when I look at linebacker, it's just kind of a scary thing for Ole Miss to be relying on Troy Brown to be as good as he was at Central Michigan. Yeah, and you know this thought has has, has stricken my mind. All of this offseason talk about, oh my God, we need a linebacker, we need this, we need that. But let me ask you something. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it have been nice to have had Momo Sonogo back on this roster again this year? Whether just for insurance. Or not, he wasn't going to yeah. start, but just for insurance. Wouldn't it have been nice? Well, you're not afforded that luxury anymore with the um, transfer portal. You're not afforded yeah, that. That's part of the portal right there that kind of bit us in the ass, if you will, because uh, I, I think we, we all feel a little bit better knowing if Momo was still on the team. Um, because while it's not like a flashy commodity, it's a known commodity. Correct. Correct. Yeah. 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 We haven't talked enough about that either. When's but, the last yeah. time, because you remember Ole Miss history stuff better than I do, when's the last time? A returning guy that been in the system for a couple of years at linebacker specifically, not at other positions at linebacker, been in the um, system for a couple of years. I guess it might have been Demarcus Gates. And when it was time for him to step up and be a stud, he did that. Was I mean, is it Gates? I mean, I can't think of other yeah. candidates because I'm looking at I'm looking at Austin Keys and Demond Clowney, and I'm saying, man, if one of those guys hits, just one of them, right, right, yeah. Yeah, it would probably be Gates, who was a great player here. Um, yeah, I, I mean, but again, let's just see how the linebackers play and how they grow in those first four games. I mean, I think that's that's something to watch for sure. Um, you know, everybody's eyes are going to be on the quarterback battle, what's going on there. But let's see. Let's see who plays. Let's see who makes the tackles. Let's see who knows where to go. Uh, We'll know about our linebackers by the end of September, whether or not, I think, whether or not they're going to be able to hold up the SEC workers. Here's a good question to kind of end this one on. And then the next podcast we do, we got to talk about a lot of recruiting. Here's one for you. Would you agree that Otis Reese, Aishim Young, and Ladarius Tennyson, looking at the current roster, are three of the best 11 potential tacklers on this team? No, just because um, – you know, I, I've never personally, outside of film, watched Ladarius Tennyson or Ashim Young play ball. Um, no, no. Well, the only reason I ask if if you believe that, if you trust those guys more than Demond Clowney or Austin Keys, can't one or both of them in this defensive three, two, five? One or two, they find a way to get them on the field together, even if that means playing Otis a little out of position closer to sure. the line of scrimmage. Sure. I, I don't know. I just yeah. don't know if there's like a way, not to, not necessarily position change, but just get your best players on the field together, despite the fact that it's a clunky fit considering you got three dudes. They're kind of the same, all vying for one spot. Why not see what they can do at other spots where you might have a need because they could potentially do that. Yeah, and a guy we talked about the last podcast, Jalen White, true freshman. I mean, I'm telling you, I stood nose to nose with this kid, except my nose was like in the middle of his chest. And uh, <clears throat> this kid is a stud, okay? 
And I went back and I'm like, I gotta watch this kid's film again. Good God, he played quarterback for his high school team. Threw for more than 2,300 yards, ran for 500 yards, started both sides of the ball, class 6A football in the state of Arkansas, hardly ever came off the field, was blocking punts, and he's the lowest rated commitment that they signed out of any high school. I'm telling you, this is a kid, watch and see, he's going to get on the field as a true freshman this year. Kind of like Cedric Johnson. Cedric Johnson didn't have a great recruiting pedigree. And then when he started coming on his first, like, oh, where'd this guy come from? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm telling you, here it is. I mean, Jalen White, remember the name. Watch for the name. Number 44, watch for him. Who kicks? Charlotte kicker? Oh, heck yeah, of course. Who punts? Did we get a punter from Charlotte? I don't know. 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 Mac Brown has gone to the annals of history, so we'll maybe, see. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll get the special teams coordinator Mari Biagi on here. Might as well. I mean, I think I think I'm just gonna start reaching out to assistants who wants to come on because like Randall Joyner did a random podcast. I thought like local media, they were like, oh no, Lane doesn't let his assistants talk. I think we can talk to whoever the hell we want to. Quite frankly, well, I think there's a, a little bit more of a level of. Uh, comfortability um, now than when the staff first got here with certain people in the media. And, um, you know, I think that's just a natural happening, right? Well, here's what I'm going to say. I haven't decided if I'm going to SEC Media Days or not because I just don't know if it's worth it. If I don't, I'm going to cover Media Days, of course, and we all got to. But more than that, I'm going to try to talk to uh, – like assistants and got people that maybe aren't there back home about the real stories for Ole Miss fans. Because as we prepare for fall count, what you're going to get at SEC Media Days next week is not going to even come close to what really matters for this team to win as many games as you want to. No, Lane's going to end up having to spend half his time talking about the state of college football, yep. the NIL, the transfers, yep. all that good stuff. Uh, then he's going to get asked about the quarterbacks. He's going to get asked about the portal class in general. They'll pretty much eat up all his time. And then the players, they'll be spread out, and they'll go up to him and say, hey, uh, so you lost Matt Corral. Yeah? Oh, Matt Corral's going to be asked a lot, mm. definitely. And the answer is going to be, I believe, in both those guys. Either one of them get it done. They both look great. Hey, look, we just spoiled media days for you. You don't even have to watch anymore. We're telling you what you really need to watch. It's been another crossover Very podcast. Good. I'm Ben Garrett. He's David Johnson. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com and AffiliateVolume3.com. He writes for Inside the Rebels and Affiliate247Sports. Whenever it happens, whenever Ole Miss does take the podium on Monday, David and I will be back to talk about it. Thank you, buddy. All right. Howdy, howdy, y'all.